Thanks for listening to the Art Tactic Podcast. I'm Adam Green. I hope everyone's had a great August. Things in the art world have been pretty quiet with all of the galleries closing for the month. No auctions happening to speak of. And a lot of people are on vacation. If you bought anything, good luck trying to get it shipped to you in a reasonable amount of time. Really, everything slows down during this time period for the art world. But August is almost over. And there are an incredible number of really exciting gallery openings in September in New York and London, really all over the world. Um, so wherever you're located, make sure to check out those openings, see some art in person, and um, let us know what you think about the art you're seeing. So in this week's episode, we chat with Hannah Elliott. She's the staff writer at Bloomberg News. She covers the luxury sector there. And although the art world is quiet in August, the classic car market is not at all. They have their biggest event of the year, the Monterey Classic Car Auctions, which happened this past week. Hannah joins us to break down a really bizarre, what she calls an auction blunder, regarding a Porsche Type 64 car that was auctioned off at Sotheby's. A wild event occurred in the sale room when it was being auctioned off. Hannah's written about it in the Bloomberg uh, News in her article. She also joins us to chat about that, and she's still doing more research on what exactly happened, and she's going to have follow-up pieces in Bloomberg. We also talked to her about just the classic car market in general. How did it do this past week? Although it's not the art market, it is an interesting uh, luxury asset, and I think it's always interesting to see how other parallel assets are doing. Um, especially at the high end of the market. And then she also really digs in and tells us some trends that are going on in the classic car market, which which car makers are still performing well, are there others that are trending down. And finally, we ask her about the geographical diversity that exists, or really the lack of, in the classic car market. In the art world, we see Asia becoming such a big market, not only acquiring Asian artists, but also um, U.S. and European artists. To what extent are Asians participating in the classic car market? Well, Hannah uh, illuminates that for us. So hope you enjoy this really interesting episode that, you know, with the quiet time in August, we take a step away from the art market and look at another really interesting market, the classic car market. Thanks a lot. Hannah, thanks so much for chatting with us. Thanks for having me, Adam. I'm really happy to be here. So I think we really have to start with the Porsche Type 64 car. You described what occurred when it was auctioned off. Um, You described it as an auction blunder in your article in Bloomberg. (laughs) Um, After reading it, to me, it's just really unfathomable what really happened. I don't really... um, you know, I don't want to say anything even any further for our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with what occurred. So if you could just kind of set the table for us, what happened at this auction and, uh, you know, what what was this car all about and, you know, what happened in the sale room? Yeah, okay. Well, it's a long story. Um, the The quick recap is this particular car has received a lot of attention in the months going up to the auction. This is the 1939 Type 64 um, race car that Ferdinand Porsche made um, to compete in a race between Berlin and Rome to commemorate uh, the alliance that Italy and Germany had just made. 
Um, he made it under commission of the Nazi uh, Motorsport Authority Party, um, and the car never ended up, ended up racing. Um, the, the war started and the race never happened, but the car remained, and he actually made two of them. There were plans for three, but he made two. Two were completed, um, and 10 years later, fast forward 10 years, Ferdinand Porsche creates Porsche AG 1948, founds the company nine years later, but about a decade, founds the company, puts his name on the car. So this particular car, the 1939 Type 64, um, has been uh, touted as either the first Porsche ever or the first car to carry the Porsche name badge ever or an important ancestor to the cars that became the first Porsches. So, um, and depending on who you talk to, uh, they will tell you different reasons why they believe what they believe about the car. No one disputes the car's authentic. It's historically significant. It certainly was made by Fernand Porsche, although um, mostly from Volkswagen components. It had a Volkswagen engine, Fiat components, components from other uh, uh, niche automotive suppliers in Germany at the time. Uh, the car is, has been interesting. So fast forward to the auction. There's a lot of eyes on this car again, because, um, there's no real agreement on, is it a Porsche? Isn't it a Porsche? Porsche official Porsche AG has distanced itself from the car. They've, they've declined to comment on it. They've told me we're not going to buy it. Uh, Porsche Museum has has a replica in its museum, but they've said they don't want to buy it. So there's a lot of question about the car, but at the end of the day, Sotheby's brings the car forward and says we're going to list this car for an estimate of 19 to 22 million, roughly 200 or sorry 20 million dollars, um, and we'll see. So they it, so Saturday night, <laughs> everyone's there watching. This is a very exciting car. It looks kind of like a spaceship. It's silver. You can see how the curves of the car did definitely influence the lines of the 356 Porsches and the 911 Porsches that came after that. So it's a it's a very exciting night. We're all in the room. The auctioneer gets on the stage and he starts bidding um, on the car. Now, the bidding screen up at the front where you can see the bids being placed um, says this, the bidding has started at $30 million. Um, and you in videos, you can find videos on YouTube. You can see the screen going up in increments, 30 million, 40 million, 50 million, 60 million. And the crowd is going crazy. People are standing on chairs. They've got their iPhones out. They're cheering. The auctioneer, Martin Tenholder, he's a Dutch. He's just laughing and it's kind of a wild thing. And then all of a sudden, Martin Ten Holder, he gets to 70 million and he looks over at the screen and he says, no, 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 wait, 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 17 million, not 70 million, 17 million. I mean to say 17 million. So the screen is adjusted from 70 million down to 17. Um, people start booing, people start yelling out fake fraud, people we start walking out. There's kind of pandemonium in the, in the auction theater <laughs> it's crazy and yeah and the car ends up not selling because it doesn't meet the 17 million dollar reserve there's actually no one bidding 17 million 
so the car doesn't sell because it doesn't meet reserve. So it was shocking, confusing. Uh, you know, it was very unclear whether this was meant to be some like a, a stunt or a joke, or if it was an accident. Um, it was it was unclear. Now Sotheby's has told me it was a mistake. The person running the board at front misheard uh, Mr. Ten Holder's pronunciation of 17 of 13 when they, when they first started building, bidding. Uh, Sotheby's said we mis they misheard it. It was supposed to be 13, not 30. And so it's just been a whole bunch of confusion and chaos it was kind of like going to the circus <laughs> all the auctions i've been to although i haven't been to a car auction but all the art auctions i've never seen anything like that uh i i don't I, think any of us have. yeah it was really it was just wild wild so i guess do you think something like that can have an impact on well, two things. One, the actual car market, or at the very least, you know, the reputation of the auction house potentially moving forward. That's a big question. I'm actually working on the follow-up story to address that very question. Um, I'm working on that this week. What um, I've talked to probably 20 different people who were at that auction who are very closely aligned with the car and the auction world: lawyers, collectors automotive brokers, enthusiasts, businessmen, they all agree there were no actual bids in the room. Now, this was a case of chandelier bidding or shell bidding or a case when the auctioneer walks the bids up on behalf of the auction house up to the reserve, which is a legal practice. Um, I talked to somebody personally who said RM offered me the car on the Wednesday before the sale for $17 million all in, including all fees and everything, and, and that person declined. Um, so it's pretty widely known and accepted that all of the known buyers who would have the means and the interest in buying this car had been offered the car ahead of the sale and uh, had declined. Um, so it seems to be a case of chandelier bidding, which is legal. Um, this is nothing new. Uh, from what I, I spoke with a lawyer today in London, you know, it's perfectly legal. It seems a little shady. It feels a little transparent, but uh, are not tra un in, not transparent. Um, but uh, the consensus is this is nothing new. It will continue. Um, there's some question about whether RM which was a separate auction house just devoted to cars and Sotheby's, how that relationship will go forward. Um, neither have, both have declined to comment on that so far. Um, there's some question about that because of course Sotheby's is, uh, someone used the word furious about what at the very least was a gross mishandling of a monumental sale. I mean, no one can test that whether you think it was on purpose or not, it was gross mismanagement, complete bungle of a major, major sale. Um, so the consensus seems to be uh, the, the practice itself of just the, the chandelier beards, that's nothing new that will continue. What does seem to be possibly changing is the idea that 
there are so many car auctions now and there are so many car events and rallies and concord and shows that are looped in with auctions. You know, you've, you've basically got car auctions around the world throughout the year in Scottsdale and Amelia Island and Villa Deste and Monterey and Florida and Georgia. And truly, it's a basically around the year calendar of car auctions. The idea seems to be that um, the quality of the cars being offered has been grossly diluted and diminished because of the amount of auctions and because the amount of the amount of people buying cars as speculators, not true collectors or true car enthusiasts. So um, the quality of, of cars and the, uh, I don't know, the, the questionable status of certain cars has just become amplified because of the proliferation of auctions. So uh, the, there may be this may be kind of a gut check with how many car auctions there are, um, how many people are bidding on cars, because this really seemed to be just a symptom of the bigger issue, which is just the massive amount of car auctions. And if you if you have to really jam pack your car auction with cars, it's inevitable that some of the cars are going to be um, less, uh, I don't want to say less authentic, but they're going to be inferior to truly uh superior specimens of automotive history, if you will. Yeah, and you know, as I said, the art market's very quiet in August, but the car auctions I think are a really interesting metric um, for how different high-end luxury assets doing. So if we look just you know past this uh, one car that uh, caused uh, such a stir uh, during this past week, <laughs> if you take a look at the sales overall, how would you say the auctions went? Where do you think the car market stands at this time? It was very, very rough. Um, I saw some results from Haggerty. Haggerty is great. They send out results every morning after the auctions breaking down each auction house, the high high sales, the no sales, and the sell-through rates, um, and the average price of cars sold for each night. And everything is down by double digits and sometimes by up to 50%. Sell-through rates are really heavily down. Um, some nights I saw, you know, close to a 50% sell-through rate, which is not uh, encouraging at all. The average value of the cars sold has been has gone down, you know, as much as twenty and thirty thousand dollars on average, um, and in some cases much more than that. Uh, what I'm hearing though is that this is a, a, a market correction. Um, there's certainly money to be spent, but but the true collectors and true enthusiasts will not spend money on anything that they think is uh, questionable, inferior, not exactly 100% perfect. And the people who were buying those things before are starting to pull in their purses a little bit and not buy those. So what we're seeing is a um, sifting from true collectors and enthusiasts and the speculators who were kind of pushing up sales and prices in recent years, those are leaving and now it's all kind of filtering out. Um, so yeah, it was pretty rough. You know, there was, um, the term bloodbath was used, um, and circulated. Yeah, it, it was, it was rough. It was really rough. 
even cars that sell that were um, fantastic cars and did still sell records. There was a McLaren F1 that sold that RM Sotheby sold on Friday night. Um, that took 19 million, which was below estimate. I think that car was estimated around 21 to 23 million. It did meet reserve, but it didn't make estimates. So that car still set a record, but it was still underneath the estimate. So, it, you know, things are, it's interesting to see. There's certainly not these wild freewheeling <laughs> auctions we've seen in recent years. I think it's also interesting to hear what trends are ongoing in the car market. So by that, I mean, are there certain uh, car makers or styles that are performing really well right now than other other uh, types of cars that are really trending downward? Yeah, it's interesting. If you look at the like top 10 sales throughout, I mean, inevitably this year, any night, any given night from the auctions this year, the top probably five to eight of the top 10 sales were the racing Ferraris. That hasn't changed at all. Then you'll probably throw in an Aston Martin or a Jaguar. Um, of course, the James Bond Aston Martin that sold, um, again, by RM Sotheby's was uh, another great sale. So you're seeing the same, you're seeing the same brands being sold. Um, the, the Porsche 911 turbos from the 70s really were super hot, you know, within the last two or three years. Those are leveling out a little bit. You're still going to see six-figure prices for them, of course, you know, between, you know, maybe around 200000 um, for a great one. But that's not going to go up at all. It's been really interesting to see the rise of Group B cars, which um, are those weird-looking little rally cars that were raced for a matter of only two years in the 80s. Um, and these really intense adventure races called Group B Racing. It was a world championship series. Um, there were basically no regulations. In fact, the races were canceled because people were being killed in them. But um, those cars, which were made in very, very, very limited quantities, uh, are doing really well. They're super popular right now. And part of that's because it's been, you know, 30 to 40 years since they um, – came onto the scene so now that's the natural turnover the people who grew up watching those and with posters of those on their wall are now able to buy them um so yeah people are excited about those uh yeah that's that's kind of what i see and then you know in the art markets there's seemingly all the time the discussion about um new collectors new buyers and they always talk about the Asian market um, and to what extent they're buying art. Is is that market uh, growing in terms of their presence at these auctions? Is it not really a factor? Um, what's the status of that? You know, I have to say it is not very apparent to me. Um, it's not apparent. You know, I the um, prospective buyers who I know uh, were approached with for instance, the Type 64 Porsche were not from Asia. Um, you know, I, I, I don't detect any real collectors yet coming from Asia. The Middle East, absolutely. Um, South America, absolutely. Europe, of course. The United States, of course. I, I have yet to detect any real uh, buying motivation. Um, it's typically what I see is that 
um, buyers in Asia and collectors in Asia love buying the new supercars and hypercars. They're less interested in vintage things that you might see at auction. They're way more interested in the latest Koenigsegg or Bugatti or Pagani um, or McLaren or any of those supercars. Those are what they're collecting now. It's the modern stuff. That stuff will obviously be vintage in 30 years. Um, But yeah, what I see is that the the Asian buyers are are liking the new stuff. Well, Hannah, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and describing the chaos in the sales room uh, during the Type 64 (laughs) uh, sale uh, or non-sale, I should say, as well as just updating us on what's going on in the car market. we really appreciate it. And I, for our listeners who haven't, they definitely should check out your article um, covering uh, the auctions in Bloomberg. And uh, you said you have an upcoming article uh, that touches yeah, on even further. I'll, I'll, be sure to, I'll, sh- I'll be sure to send it to you. It should be in a day or two. Super. Hannah, thanks so much again. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Adam. <laughs>